May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. I am Keith Niebuhr and I am joined by Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers. And, uh, you know, Jason, we've got some good news to talk about. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Earlier in the season, we didn't. Now we do. Auburn coming off of a big 48-11 to win over LSU on Saturday. That's two wins in a row for the Tigers, three out of the last four um, the lone loss being the, uh, the upset at South Carolina, the one that really kind of drove the fan base a little bit wild. But 48 for Auburn, 11 for LSU. Jason, I don't think anybody could have predicted that kind of outcome. No, I, I thought Auburn had a chance to score some points, and I thought they would against that LSU defense. But, you know, the, the surprise of the day for me was just how well Auburn's defense played. We had not seen that to this point this season, especially against the run. Uh, they committed to it. And they dominated the line of scrimmage against an LSU offense that that team's averaging 42 points a game and had been scoring points in bunches. And Auburn's defensive front, front seven, played exceptionally well. And they basically put the put the game on the on the shoulders of the true freshman quarterbacks. And that's what they had to do. They were able to do that. But no question, um, when you look at it from start to finish all the way around, that was easily Auburn's best performance of the season. Jason, was it also quarterback Bo Nix's best performance of the season and maybe the best performance of his career? 18 and 24 passing, 300 yards, three touchdowns, 11 rushes, 81 yards, and a touchdown, 381 total yards, four touchdowns accounted for. Uh, he didn't make a single mistake, really, that I, that, that I can think of. That Something that comes to mind where you were like, boy, that was a real head scratcher. Uh, almost a flawless performance from Bo Nix. Yeah, you know, I think it's, you know, a couple of things. No question. I thought it, you know, he had 335 passing against Mississippi State last year and, you know, played pretty good. To me, I thought it was the best performance because he was in complete control from start to finish, whether it was, you know, making some runs for first downs. I thought his pocket presence was was much different. I think it's a combination of a couple of things. I think he's worked really hard with Chad Morris to improve that pocket presence. And I think the other thing is, is that, you know, we've talked about continuity and and just getting the offensive line together. Once those guys have come together, I think the trust factor is there from Bo now that those guys have played. He understands they understand each other. And so I thought that the offensive line did a great job, but Bo's was the most comfortable he's looked since he's been at Auburn, uh, making plays down the field. Um, thought the, the, the short game – First with Eli Stove, then J.J. Pegues doing some of those things to get that LSU defense running sideline to sideline was was masterful. Chad Marsh did a great job of putting that plan together. But no question that for me it was it was the best game that Bo's played since he's been at Auburn. And because it looked like it was the offense designed for him and he was in perfect comfort with it, and that's always important when you play quarterback. Now, look, as, as solid as the Auburn offense was on Saturday – you could make an argument. I think you can make an argument either either way here. But you, one could make a 
a strong argument that Auburn's defense really set the tone. Now you look at the final numbers, LSU 315 yards passing, but uh, Max Johnson had 172 of that. And, and all of that came when the outcome was not really in doubt. Uh, TJ Finley, 143 yards passing, but was only 13 to 24. The two big interceptions uh, LSU also had a big fumble that Auburn picked up and, and I think it was Christian Tut that scooped it up and, and ran it in for a touchdown. And here's a key stat. You mentioned Auburn's job against LSU's rushing attack. 27 carries for 32 yards. Also, I believe Auburn, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, four sacks on the day. Now, a couple of them came late. But there was pretty good pressure on the LSU quarterbacks in the, the first three quarters of the game when the starters were out there and, and you know, all that stuff. Uh, some of it was uh, the natural front four, but a lot of it came through other uh, uh, you know, blitzes and things of that nature. But the most sustained pressure we've seen on an opposing quarterback this year, correct? No question. And, and it started with putting them in, in passing situations and not allowing them to run the football. That was what Auburn had to do against LSU. Um, and they were able to do it. And, you know, getting some more depth um, has been important. You know, you, you start getting, you know, you know, Dre Butler, a few more snaps here, there, Marquise Burks, a few more snaps here, there, get Zykeeps Walker back. Um, which is important, but, you know, Big Cat Bryant starting to get healthy. Derek Hall was, you know, a couple of sacks for him. He made a couple of plays dropping into coverage. Auburn showed some different looks, playing a little bit of zone at times, doing some different things. I thought it confused LSU, and I think it's important when you when you think about playing Mississippi State here in a couple of weeks, you've seen what other teams do to them. Just, just you, you drop back and, and make them, you know, complete the ball, but if you get pressure, that's always a bonus, and, and, I thought that Daquan Newkirk maybe had his best game at Auburn. Um, he played exceptionally well up front, pushing the pocket. But, yeah, defensively, um, no question that that was much closer to, uh, you know, it's what we expected a little bit. And, uh, you know, LSU's offense has been playing pretty good. And, and, and it looked like they were just caught off guard with how physical Auburn's defensive front was. And, don't blame them. We hadn't seen that out of this Auburn defensive front to this point this season, but uh, they played at a different level, a different edge uh, in the win over LSU. And if they can build on that and get these guys back and, and moving, um, that makes a huge difference in the defense, especially if you think about potentially getting KJ Britt back in a couple of weeks, uh, what that could mean as well. Sorry there, Jason. I, we had a little bit of a delay. I couldn't. I flipped the screen and couldn't get the microphone on. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, we're, when looking at the box score, Jason, th this looked like if you just showed me the LSU side of it, 315 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions, the percentage 28 to 48, but two quarterbacks. There's one giveaway that things weren't going great. And then the 27 carries for 32 yards. That to me, that that without even looking at the score, you could almost say, you know, that sounds like, that looks like that was probably a game where a team fell behind, couldn't run the ball, gave up on running, and then had to throw the ball a lot in the second half just to make it interesting. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Again, that's easy to say that, but I've seen so many box scores like that through the years. You, what happens is you give up on the run, and you're just basically throwing because you're so far behind. But absolutely dominant performance from the Auburn offense. And again, at the end of the day, you're looking at 347 yards. That's good. But it's still not – it's not 187. But when you consider that so much of that was when the outcome was already decided. Again, at one point, Auburn led 48-3 to 
Jason. And, and I want to talk about that last touchdown, the 91 yarder to Anthony Schwartz, which apparently was the longest touchdown pass by Auburn in a conference game in, uh, in over 60 years. A little bit of rub it in factor there. Not with, not with 14 minutes and some odd change left in the fourth quarter. If that's, that's with four minutes left, it'd be one thing. I mean, you got an entire quarter of football left and you got to play. Um, and, you know, for years, Auburn fans have been wanting Gus Malzahn and, and this team to continue to throw the football when ahead because you have to work on it. The only way to get to get better at throwing the football is to throw the football. And so, um, no, I, with with an entire quarter of football left, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, I I mean, how many times last year was LSU throwing the football in the fourth quarter with a thirty-five point lead, uh, with the starters still in the game? Tons. I mean, it, it's not rubbing it in when you got an entire quarter of football left to play. Jason Anthony Schwartz, four catches, 123 yards, obviously had the 91-yarder when the game was already over. Seth Williams, another solid game, four catches, 71 yards. He did have that, that fumble, which, you know, early in the game that, that you're thinking, okay, that's pretty costly. It ended up meaning nothing. But Eli Stove, we're going to talk about a couple guys here. Eli Stove, once again, five catches for 64 yards. And he was a guy that I think both you and Mark Murphy of Inside the Auburn Tigers said, you know, maybe keep an eye on this guy. He's a he's a valuable receiver that doesn't get much love. But he was, again, very big in this game, uh, hitting those perimeter plays. Was he not, Jason? He was. And and you look back now and, and look at how important the loss of Eli Stove was against Georgia, um, you know, Arkansas, some, you know, he played some against South Carolina, but wasn't a big factor in that game. But you, you think about how much he's become a part of this offense. You know, in game one, he had a touchdown catch on a double move against Kentucky. And he was he was a guy that they really liked as, as that third guy in, it, in a, really a three-headed group at wide receiver. Now that you see him back and fully ingrained in this offense, you see how much difference he can make because he's so good with the ball in his hands. He's a lot more physical runner than people give him credit for. And – you know, like I said, using him in the run game a little bit, those quick passes. Um, there's still going to be some times, I think, where he can be a guy that can take some shots down the field because people haven't seen that from him. But you start running that little one that they they, they ran against uh, LSU and decide to, to maybe run an out and up out of that um, to get him down the sidelines, a wheel route. Um, there's going to be an opportunity because teams are going to jump that. They're going to say, look, we're not letting that happen anymore. And, um, so there's going to be some things they can build of off of that as well. But no question, Eli Stove is a guy that's becoming a really important part of this offense. Jason, another guy that's becoming an important, an important part of this offense is only a true freshman. And I'm not talking about true freshman running back Tank Bigsby, who I should point out had 71 yards and two touchdowns on 15 carries. Another solid outing for him after three straight 100-yard games. No, I'm talking about J.J. Pegues, the true freshman jumbo athlete tight end. We've seen him run the ball uh, out of the Wildcat. Uh, he had one catch, I believe, coming into this game, but he had three catches on Saturday for 29 yards, including a 16-yarder. This guy's 6'2", 6'2 300 pounds, and he is uh, – boy, you don't want to get in front of him when, when he's got the ball in his hands. And, you know, leading up to this game, you and I had heard that, yes, we're going to see Auburn get the ball to the tight end, but – We'd heard that Brandon Frazier, another true freshman who hasn't played this year, was going to see some action, and maybe he would be the guy to get the ball. But instead, it was J.J. Pegues. And Jason, he was absolutely outstanding, really, on all three of those plays. I think he, I think he sort of got tripped up on one a, a little bit if he, if, he, 
if he could have maybe broken a tackle, you know, who knows how far he could have gone. But outstanding job getting him the ball one. Bo making the perfect passes. Oh, they were short, but sometimes those are hard passes to make. Uh, and then, and then obviously JJ Pegues doing the rest. He's going to be a major threat for this offense, not just as a blocker, is he not? No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's a guy that 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 knows how to carry the football. I mean, you can tell there's a background for him of of running with the football with the ball in his hands. His, you know, as a wildcat quarterback at Oxford High School in Mississippi or doing whatever. Yeah, he he's a guy that 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 has some skills in that area, but. You got to mention his blocking too. He's well, he's improved so much in that area. Luke Deal is a guy that has been lights out as a blocker on the, in, in the run game. And John Samuel Schenker is maybe the most consistent guy. Those trio of guys have really delivered for Auburn in a number of ways, even though they don't have a ton of catches. I think more of that's coming in the passing game as the weeks unfold. And you're right, if, if they can get Brandon Frazier back, who we saw for the first time Saturday. He wasn't dressed out, but he was there. Um, and so um, that's a positive sign now. You got a, a week off. Get that big six, seven freshman into the mix. And all of a sudden, you add more weapons to an offense that we're seeing grow and progress. We saw a lot of, uh, um, you know, Xavier Capers with a touchdown catch. We've seen Kobe Hudson playing a little bit more and being more involved. And obviously, JJ Pegues more involved. You know, they're they're feeling a lot more comfortable. Bo's finding a lot more of those guys in the passing game. And so um, you start adding more of those weapons, it makes it tougher for teams to focus solely on Seth Williams. And when they do, you know, like LSU did on Saturday in the red zone, you know, you leave a Xavier Capers wide open when you double Seth when he when he turns inside. And so um, all those things are, are, are things that make it tougher to defend this Auburn offense when it's all put together. You know, it's funny because people on the message boards, and I, I'm not making fun of subscribers. I mean, I, I mean, just the fan base in general. And by the way, not just fans, people in the media. Why doesn't J.J. Pegues get moved to defense? I've had different writers, different reporters ask me that. Well, one, J.J. Pegues wouldn't have signed with Auburn if they would have wanted him to play defense. They specifically told him, you're going to be a tight end slash jumbo athlete. You will carry the ball. You will catch pass- passes. He wanted to be on offense. He may be a great defensive tackle, but that was part of the deal. Now, eventually, maybe he says, you know, I wouldn't mind playing both, or maybe I wouldn't mind moving to defense. But Auburn doesn't get him without making him that promise because other schools that wanted him wanted him on the defensive line. That was a big part of the deal for Auburn to get him. But anyway, you see why he's now on offense. He can do a lot of things. He's not just a blocker. Uh, Jason, you know, look, the Auburn's offense was not great early in the season. I mean, part of it was, uh, you know, no spring practice. A part of it was you know, Georgia's just got a hell of a defense. Let's just be honest. But now you're six games in and Chad Morris, the first year offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, he knows the personnel. Now he didn't have a spring practice. He didn't have the benefit of that to really get to know the personnel. Then in fall camp, you had COVID situations. We don't know all the numbers. We don't know when and how long everybody was missing, but we know that it was happening. We know that he didn't always have everybody out there. That obviously makes it harder, especially for a first year offensive coordinator. Now he knows what he has and now he's shaping the offense around what he has. How much better is Auburn's offense right now than it was in week one against Kentucky? Oh, it's miles ahead. And when you look at the, the difficulty when you're talking about, you know, this you know, spring practice with a new coordinator and um, the changes on the offensive line, all those things, all you got to lose, look at, look at the two teams that played in week two to look at the difference. Georgia's offense is still struggling, still floundering. Auburn's has really taken off. And, yeah, they haven't played Georgia since then. Played some, 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 you know, Ole Miss LSU's defense, not anywhere close to Georgia's, but you can see the execution. Um, and you can see this offense, like I said, it's gaining confidence. 
And that's as much as anything uh, a, a big deal for an offense. When you go out there believing that things are going to work, that you're going to make plays, that you can make plays down the field, and mainly that you can line up and run the football when you need to. As much as anything, that's an important part of an offense, and that's what this team is feeling right now. Jason, you knew after Auburn had had so much success on the ground in recent games, especially Tank Bigsby, that, that LSU, that was going to be the focus. Hey, we – the Bayou Bengals have to shut down Tank Bigsby, slow him down some way, make Bo Nix beat us. And Bo Nix did. But Auburn also rushed for 206 yards. Now, again, Nix had 81 of those, but rushing yards are rushing yards. Again, Bigsby 15 carries for 71 yards. And that was after a really slow start. He had some key runs in some big drives, Jason, when the game was still in doubt. I thought that one of the biggest plays of the game was when Auburn's backed up to its one-yard line and you know, Tank busts out of what a 26-yard run to – it got him off, you know, off the goal line, and it really spurred on that 99-yard touchdown drive. Because if you if you run for two yards in the second eight from the three, then all of a sudden you feel like maybe we have to throw the football now, and it changes the complexion of the drive. You know, he bounces it outside, big gainer, um, and then you know Bo has a couple of big runs in that drive as well. And you mentioned him, kind of the leading rusher. Um, that's a big deal for an offense when your quarterback has, you know, and those weren't just zone read runs. A lot of those were stepping up in the pocket instead of flushing out of the pocket. He stepped up in the pocket, found running lanes, and he showed people, and I think LSU was shocked how much more athletic and faster he is than people realize. I mean, Bo Nix ran away from some guys on the LSU defense, and a lot of people probably didn't think that was possible, but his ability to run, to make plays, and and even, even when they're not design runs, um, is something that defenses have to be aware of now. And you start playing man and man across the board and you turn your back and, um, you know, he can make you pay. And, and that's something that defense is going to have to worry about now. Jason, I, you know, you were there at the game. I have to watch on TV uh, because of COVID and all that. You know, we can't just have, you know, 100,000 media members at these things. But anyway, when I'm watching the game and they're showing Bo Nix, now, granted, they were up 48 to three when I'm seeing all this, but I've never seen him look that happy on a sideline before. So he's played two really fantastic games in a row. Okay. And unfortunately for him, the three, the three interceptions at South Carolina were just such killers for Auburn, but two really good games in a row, Jason. So what is the next step for him? What, 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 does, what do we need to see out of him? What's the natural, if he's going to continue to grow and develop and get better, what can we expect? Yeah, I think the thing that for him and this offense is is you mentioned the 91-yard touchdown pass. I think it's stretching the field vertically now. Um, more comfort with that offensive line. You're running the football. You're going to have more time to let plays develop than you've had in the first few weeks. I think that was part of the reason why we hadn't seen more of them is because they're worried that, hey, and rightfully so, you don't have enough time to throw those plays. You don't you know, make those plays down the field. Now you're going to have the ability to take some shots down the field at times. And I think that's the natural and next progression for this offense is to be able to take the top off the defense a little bit more, uh, stretch the field vertically. And when you do that, then you open up the middle of the field even more. And that's where then J.J. Pegese, um, Brandon Frazier, if he comes out, Tank Bigsby out of the backfield catching the ball, all those things become even more valuable for, off, for Auburn's offense. And, hey, let's face it, Anytime you're able to, to, to take some shots down the field and you back those safeties up, then, then that opens up some in the running game as well because you keep guys out of the box. So, to me, that's the next step is to be able 
not necessarily 91-yard touchdown passes, but 40, 50 yards stretched yeah. vertically a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with you there. You know, it's got to be frustrating, though, for Auburn fans because Auburn has, at least in recent years, been slow starters. There's always that loss or two early in the season that just drives people crazy, and then they kind of get the ball rolling. But if there was ever a year, Jason, where you would have an excuse for for taking some time to to become the team that you're going to be, this would be obviously a lot of uh, just a weird year. But we're looking at the defense now, Jason, and, and you and I have been two critics, no doubt about it. That the defense has not been great. Uh, some games statistically it looked good, but in the red zone it wasn't good. Some games they gave up a lot of yards. Georgia just manhandled them. Um, but they were absolutely outstanding yesterday. We got to give them credit. And I know we have a little bit, but we got to get more defensive line. Fantastic linebackers, though. Really, you know, sometimes this year the strength of the linebackers has not been against the run, Jason. And it, but they hit some guys yesterday and really kept guys like John Emery from making anything out of out of just even a little bit of of air in there. I mean, they stuffed those guys pretty good. I thought personally. And again, I don't I don't have the grading sheets, but just watching the game on TV, it looked like Owen Popo and Zacoby McLean were at their best uh, that we've seen them this year. Would yeah, you agree I, or not agree? I, I thought so too. And I think one of the keys for them was is that they they didn't have to worry about <clears throat> centers and guards in their face the whole game because of the job that Auburn's defensive line did in front of them. I think that was part of it. They kept those guys clean. When you keep them clean, those guys can run. They can get downhill in a hurry and finish and. And that's the strength of this defense is the speed on the, that, you know, the back seven of that group. Um, but they're not real big. And so it's hard for them to fight through a bunch of blocks. And, and they didn't have to do that against LSU. That was a big plus there. But, hey, one of the biggest the biggest deals of the whole game was they got a lot of reps for some – I was, was going to get into that. Yeah, yeah go those ahead. Young, those young linebackers, Cam Riley played – you know, he was the, he's been the third linebacker now for, for three weeks since K.J. Britt. He's played in some goal lines, some short yardage, but got a lot of reps, Wesley Steiner, Desmond Tisdall, getting those guys just some live action. Hey, and doing it against LSU's first-team offense. I mean, LSU kept their starters in the game the whole game. They got to see what real live bullets look like, and that's huge for them. Jason, not only did the young linebackers get some reps, but some of the younger defensive linemen did as well. One of them that – Gosh, he had a fantastic tackle on a running play, shedding his block. Zykevious Walker, who we continue to hear so many good things about. Character-wise, he's like Marlon Davidson 2.0. And physically, he's like Marlon Davidson 2.0. How, how important is it going to be for Auburn in this stretch run? And they got four games left. That's it. And then a bowl game. Uh, to, to get him more reps and to get some younger guys and, and newer guys, Marquise Burke, Stray Butler, because early in the season, they weren't able to rotate like they've been able to do in the past, were they? No, it's, it's, it's such a thing that, especially when you start playing league game after league game after league game, uh, it just wears on you. And, and, you know, we talked to, you know, like Owen Popo, he said, you know, they, he played 85 snaps or, or so against Ole Miss. That's just way too many. The more opportunities you get to play those young guys, the better. Now, you know, those guys at linebacker are still going to play the Yeoman's work. But, you know, up front, you know, Rodney Garner wants to be able to rotate guys. And we've seen limited rotation, you know, some because, you know, those guys have been a little dinged up at times. Um, but getting them back healthy and getting the trust factor going with guys like Dre Butler and Marquise Burks inside. And, you know, Colby Wooden, you know, has played inside. Zykevis Walker has played inside. But, man, if you can allow those guys to play some limited reps, maybe on third down inside, and then 
keep them fresh at a home on the strong side end position, then it opens up a lot of things for this Auburn defense. Because that's kind of both where they kind of belong, especially I think Colby Wooden right now, the job he's doing. But, um, you know, we saw Romello Height. I mean, he hasn't even, hasn't even dressed out until Saturday, and he got in the game at the end um, to rush the passer some. We've seen some of those young guys. And, man, you know, Jay Hardy dressed for the first time, wasn't ready to go quite yet. But now you got two weeks to, to get him. I mean, he won't be in game shape, but he might be in shape enough to help you a little bit. And, you know, we, we've heard so much about him in the preseason as well that, that, hey, this defensive line group is getting healthy at the right time. And, Jason, you know, also we got to point out that the uh, the secondary, you know, they've been hit or miss at times this year. They've had some injuries. They've been de- – you know, Jalen Simpson, one of the starters, has been, been hurt much of the season. But I thought they did a nice job yesterday too. Again, so much of LSU's passing yardage was late in the game. But Nehemiah Pritchett with that beautiful interception almost scored on a Christian Tut with the scoop and score off the fumble. Uh, Roger McCurry, another solid game. And, uh, you know, when they get Jalen Simpson, I mean, he played, but he's still not 100%. When they get him back to 100%, and then you're seeing the emergence of Ladarius Tennyson, uh, a true freshman. So you're seeing that unit grow, too. And I think the, the thing you look at from them is what they've been able to do against the other team's number one guy the last two weeks. Elijah Moore two weeks ago at Ole Miss, Terrace Marshall Saturday for LSU, limiting those guys to – I mean, basically very, very little in the passing game. You take away that number one option or make them um, not the number one option any longer. We saw South Carolina do it to Seth Williams and how much it impacts an offense when you take away a security blanket. Um, that's what Auburn's been able to do the last couple of weeks. And they get, they've got a lot of different looks. And hey, I've, I've, I've you know, been critical of the, of the Nichols and, and those guys. Hey, let's give, give credit where credit's due. The last couple of weeks, Christian Tutt has played his best football. He played really well on Saturday. And then you look at a guy that has kind of been Mr. Everything for this defense and for especially on special teams, Jordan Peters had to step up and you know, play safety with Jamie and Sherwood was down and didn't miss a beat. That's that's the value of having a guy like Jordan Peters back there that's played so much football. You can plug him in really almost anywhere across the board, but you can play both those safety spots. He played really well. and. Got, you know, Chris Thompson got in the game fairly early on Saturday um, as well. So getting some reps for that true freshman um, is, is another valuable one. All right, Keith Niebuhr here with Auburn Undercover, joined by Jason Caldwell with Inside the Auburn Tigers, both under the 24-7 sports umbrella. Jason, a couple more questions before we sign off. You know, I'm looking at the schedule. Auburn's now entering an off week, so they get to rest and relax and at least for a couple of days, and then it's they got to get back at it. Mississippi State on the road, Tennessee at home, uh, and then they finish off with Alabama on the road and Texas A&M at home. But with Auburn having some momentum right now, I ask you this: Is are are they glad to have an off week? Do they need it, or is it kind of one of those things? Ah, man, they just started playing pretty well. It'd be nice to have another game. What you think? It's a positive or a negative that the open weeks this week? Historically, Gus Malzahn teams have been really well and done really well after bye weeks. Uh, I think in a normal year, you might not be as excited about having a bye week now because, you know, you probably wouldn't be as, as worn out having, you know, the French has played three non-conference games out of these six. It would have been a different feel, especially when a couple of those are probably games where you might have been able to play some younger guys down the stretch late. They haven't had that opportunity until Saturday. So I think right now you understand what it is. Um, 
you know, you understand it and you keep your confident level, confidence level, but you also know that you got to heal up some <clears throat> to prepare for this road stress. So I think it probably comes at a good time, um, you know, just because you understand what it is, you understand you got to take advantage of it. And, you know, like I said, historically, you know, Gus Malzahn teams have been pretty good after bye weeks. Well, Jason, I think everyone can agree that Auburn's in a better place, not just production-wise, but probably mentally, probably the mentality of the team right now than it than it was. Uh, there was so much noise in the system, as they say, just a few weeks ago. That's quieted down. Now you enter the off week, and and you finish off, and and you got a chance now to win six, seven, maybe eight games. I mean, they got, they'd have to win them all to get to eight, and that includes the road trip to Alabama. That seems like a an uphill climb there, but. What's your final prediction? I mean, every win gets Auburn probably into a better bowl game at this point. They've got things clicking a little bit. If you look at the last four games, Jason, you know they're four and two now. If you had to guess, your best guess, what would be your final prediction for the regular season for Auburn? Yeah. I, I think if if this team continues what what we saw the last two weeks, then I think this is a team that that you could see be seven and three. I think it's hard to envision going into Tuscaloosa and winning just the way that Alabama team's playing on offense. I mean, they're, they, they're just kind of rolling at the moment, but I think it's a possibility, but I think you look into having Texas A&M at home. I think the way you played um, and if you keep this trajectory, that's the thing. Can this team show up and be that consistent and play that way from week to week? If they do that, then I think this team's got a chance to be a seven and three team. And after the start, that'd be a, that'd be pretty strong considering, you know, like I said, all the things that have happened this year, all the, the ups and downs that everybody's had to go through. But when you have to do that and have a new coordinator, new offensive line coach, all those things, um, it, it, it plays an impact. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, this team could be a 7-3 and three team. Jason, there could be a lot of intrigue into one of those final games. And I'm not talking about the Iron Bowl. I'm talking about Texas A&M. If the Aggies continue to win and show up in Auburn with only one loss – Based on what's happened around the country, they could potentially, especially if Florida and Georgia have two losses each, Texas A&M could backdoor its way into a four-team playoff if it can win out. And one thing we haven't seen Texas A&M have to do, Jason, in many, many, many moods is play a meaningful game. How would they handle it? How would they handle it? Those are games that the Auburn program is very much accustomed to playing in and games Texas A&M is not accustomed to playing in. That could really be an interesting game. Auburn looking for a great bowl game, Texas A&M looking to get in the playoff. And you could potentially, uh, if you're Auburn, back-to-back weeks have a shot to really kind of uh, throw a monkey in the wrench of, of the college football season. But uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Uh, For Jason Caldwell of Inside the Auburn Tigers, I'm Keith Niebuhr with Auburn Undercover. We appreciate everybody stopping by. We think everybody's a little bit happier now than they were a couple weeks ago. And uh, we'll do it again. We'll be back in a few days. Take care, everybody. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.